0: Good day to you, and welcome to Fascinating. I am your host, Rick, from Planet Vulcan. My continuing mission on planet Earth to search for signs of intelligence and to encourage its spread, and at times to discourage the spread of eknarangi, that is, knowing that which is not so. Contributing editor Mahalo Kumela submits the following essay about a fascinating earthling who is deeply mired in Eknarangi, a professor at Stanford University. To put things into context, think of Cassandra in ancient Greek myth, who was granted by Apollo the power to see the future, but with the catch that no one would ever believe her prophecies. In modern times, we have Ardnasek, who makes prophecies that don't come true, but people keep believing him anyway. Ardenasik, also known as Paul R. Ehrlich, famously stated in 1968, in his widely read at the time and still celebrated book, The Population Bomb, that overpopulation had already gone so far that widespread famine in the near future, that is, the 1970s, could not be avoided by any conceivable means, and as a result, hundreds of millions of people would starve to death. He claimed further that prices of commodities were on a permanent upward trend, also because of overpopulation, and called for drastic coercive action by governments. The massive famines did not happen, or perhaps they did, and I just didn't hear about them. Today, the earth has twice as many people as it did in 1968 and far fewer people who are going hungry. His predictions about commodity prices have also failed. It ought to be clear to anyone by now that there had to have been some significant flaw in Ehrlich's approach to what he saw as a problem, at least if you measure the value of his approach in terms of explanatory power and predictive success. I would say that the flaw in his approach lies in the fact that he is either oblivious to, or uninterested in, principles of evolution, and the thinking that the study of evolution ought to engender. Like many educated people, although he gets it that evolution and not-intelligent design holds the key to understanding the natural world, He clings to the idea that human beings are separate and apart from the natural world, and not subject to any constraints stemming from natural law, and that it is intelligent design and not evolution that holds the key to understanding human society and promoting general well-being. And yet honors have been heaped upon him. Professor Ehrlich and his disciples in a way that imitates those who keep telling us they have figured out the true date of the second coming of Christ, have made excuses for the failures of their predictions, and continue to insist that it just hasn't happened yet, and to insist that the salvation of humanity depends on broadly applied coercive measures to be implemented by governments, with advice from a natural aristocracy of intellectuals, I should acknowledge that if you measure the value of Ehrlich's work, not in terms of explanatory and predictive power, but in terms of generating a supporting constituency, his work has produced a significant success. We now have a vast catastrophe industrial complex that provides cover for politicians who are already inclined towards expanding their authority and which is also generating a comfortable living for tens of thousands of people who work within the complex. Ehrlich himself has doubled down on his predictions, and recently stated that, if anything, his predictions were far too optimistic. Apparently, we were just lucky that his predictions for the 1970s were amiss, but boy, you just wait for the 2070s. Among the prescriptions he made to avert disaster was one that struck me as particularly awful. I heard him say in an interview that in order to reduce the birth rate, we had to promote ideas like women's liberation. I would like to believe that he meant that liberating women from traditional and legal strictures affecting their reproductive decisions would result in their deciding to have fewer offspring. But I fear what he really meant was that fewer offspring would result from promoting resentment and suspicion, and thus more strife between men and women. Perhaps his most disturbing prescription was that if a particular country refused to implement coercive family control, that country's inhabitants ought to be cut off from all food supplies by the other countries of the world acting in concert. A rather grim path to population control. But hey, when catastrophe looms, anything goes. One might be forgiven for concluding that this man is a sociopath, with delusions illusions of grandeur and without human decency, and most certainly without even a rudimentary understanding of how a socio-economic system functions. Nowadays, our latest crop of intellectuals in this line are telling us that they have done the research and run the numbers, and their studies reveal that Earth's population is already a significant multiple of what the planet is capable of sustaining in the long run. My colleague, contributing editor Smirky McSmugface, agrees wholeheartedly with our new intellectual elite, and is not impressed when you point out the rather comical history of those who in the past have made forecasts of future developments. She insists that this time it's different. And when demographers tell us that population growth is already slowing and will soon become negative, probably due to the fact that people who are more prosperous decide to have smaller families, Smirky simply derides the findings as myths that have been propagated by the minions of the oligarchy, too lawless into complacency, while they continue to plunder and oppress. The eminent economist Julian Simon tried to explain to Ehrlich that at the heart of economic theory lies the idea of substitutes. His attempt to explain met with indignation from those who clearly are strongly motivated to preserve a ruling class that they can be members of and that they cannot imagine that humanity will continue to find substitutes for natural resources, as if their failure of imagination constitutes proof that substitutes will not be found. I'm a big fan of John D. MacDonald's Travis McGee novels. For those of you who have not discovered the pleasure of reading these stories, Travis calls himself a salvage consultant. In truth, he works as an unlicensed private detective who helps people who have been handed the shitty end of the stick to recover what is rightfully theirs from the bad guys, and he takes a percentage of the recovery. The thing that distinguishes these novels from others in the detective genre is McGee's philosophical musings and those of his best friend Meyer, who is an economist and lives on a cabin cruiser called the John Maynard Keynes in the same marina in Florida in which Travis moors his houseboat, the Busted Flush, and his little speedboat, the Muñequita. His ground transportation is Agnes, an ancient Rolls-Royce that he has converted into a pickup truck. I bring this up because one of Meyer's musings is about resource shortages. He said that there was just no way that the world's people, given their numbers, even at that time, could ever all achieve the standard of living enjoyed by the average American, because if you multiplied all of the resources said average American was currently using by the number of people in the world, the result would be greater than the amount of resources that exist. One of his examples was that there was not enough copper in the world to reproduce for the entire population of the world the amount that Americans were using in communications technology. He did not foresee, and no one else did at the time, that optical cables made of sand would serve as a substitute for cables made of copper, and that wireless communications by cellular and by microwave could serve as a substitute for cables in general. Does anyone seriously believe, upon sober reflection, that the world would be a better place if Meyer and his ilk, with their limited imaginations and unlimited certainty, had been given vast legal authority and huge enforcement budgets to make sure things turned out right? Or that the Meyerses of today, given similar authority and enforcement powers, would produce better results than human ingenuity and technological innovation, coordinated by market processes. Please. Thanks to Mahalo for this essay. Let me add that R. Nasic is another Earthling who causes eye rolls and head shakes among my Vulcan friends and associates, and embarrassment for me when I tell them that I am not ready to give up on planet Earth. I invite you to have a listen to the next installment of Fascinating. Please provide feedback to these podcasts if you are so inclined. You may contact me by sending an email to Senior Contributing Editor Prego De Nada. pregodenada at gmail.com If you find the lessons from nature in these podcasts personally valuable, please recommend it to your friends. The Music coming back to life with thanks to Pink Floyd. Live long and prosper. Savor your experiences and treasure your memories. And respect nature's wisdom.